There might be fewer players, but there's never a lack of exciting action. This is the statewide Idaho eight-man prep cast with Brandon Bainey and Paul Kingsbury. That's right. It's another edition of the Idaho eight-man prep cast here on IdahoSports.com. Paul Kingsbury, nowhere to be found, though. Brandon Bainey joined for the second week in a row by Will Henneke. Will, what's going on? Just living, man. Just just living. It's uh, Apparently, I was so mediocre last week that Paul said, you can have my spot. <laughs> well, here's what I really think is happening. I think Paul's ducking us because all season long so far, he's been saying, Kendrick this, Kendrick that. Kendrick's my dark horse. I'm picking them to win the 1AD2 championship. I like their chances against Oakley on Saturday. Well, a 52 to nothing shutout victory for the Hornets over the Tigers. And now I think Paul's laying low. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a very real chance that uh, he is laying low. And I say that jokingly. Um, he, uh, that game, I did that game with him on Saturday. And I think what a lot of people, and we talked about this at the end of the broadcast, a lot of people were going to just click on the scoreboard um, on the flash or whatever on Idaho Sports. They're just going to go look at the schedule. And they're going to see, oh, man, they lost 52 to nothing. They just could not compete. That game was 16 to nothing. And Kendrick had the ball inside the Oakley 15 with a minute to go in the first half. So if they're able to punch that in and then they get the ball to start the second half, you're potentially talking a whole different ball game. But uh, instead, Bryce Severe made a, a tremendous defensive play to intercept a pass. And then that basically swung the, you know, I don't want to say it swung the game because Kendrick hung for the early stages of the third quarter. And then uh, they just, they just kind of wore down. Um, uh, the coaching staff at Oakley made a couple of really good adjustments and they started ta- attacking uh, the left side of their offensive front. So the right side of Kendrick's defense, and they just pounded, 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 pounded. Uh, and then, and it worked. Kendrick was down a starter along the offensive line. Tommy Stamper was out. They had a couple of freshmen who were playing heavy, heavy minutes against a really good team on a warm day after traveling. It was going to be a tough haul for Kendrick either way. But, you know, as Zane Hobart told us going into the game, he he scheduled this game in his mind, not thinking win or loss. He was thinking, learn about my team. And I think he learned about his team. I think he learned a lot about his team. There are still a few holes to fill. But when they get back in into that 1AD2 range, I think they'll be fine. I'm not that concerned about them. If for no other reason, had it been one of those games that was 40 to nothing at halftime and then just kind of coasted home at 52, that's a little different story. But when it's 16 to nothing, you have a chance to cut that lead in half right before halftime. The other team makes a great play, and then they just kind of step on the gas from there. Okay, let's build on the positives. For a half, we were right there with the number one 1A Division One team in the state. Yeah, that was a neutral site game in Parma on Saturday. I like those. We should have more of those on the schedule, I feel like. it's uh, It was really cool. And Oakley came away with the 52 to nothing win. Well, let's, let's talk about Oakley for just a second because I, I've been a little lower on Oakley than the consensus this year when it comes to voting in the polls and predictions and that sort of stuff. Uh, they've been pretty consistently third behind Prairie and Raft River. And it's not for a lack of respect, but it's just those two teams, Prairie and Raft River, I thought brought back more than Oakley did. They lost a lot last year to graduation. But what what do you see when you look at this Hornets team? I see a whole lot of guys who can make plays. You know, Dace Jones, Peyton Beck, Ethan uh, Torbao, 
Bryce Severe, and then you keep going down. Uh, Peyton Pickett was phenomenal on Saturday, and that was not a name I was terribly familiar with before before uh, the game started. But I think that's the thing that I like most about Oakley is, and, and it's true of any football team at any level, but I think especially at the eight-man level, teams can generally scheme out one guy. It's that second, that third, that fourth. And the fact that Oakley can hit just as many home runs with Bryce Severe as it can with Dace Jones, as it can with Ethan Torbaugh, I think that, that uh, I think that's going to benefit them. Um, you could argue they don't have the home run hitter. You know, they don't have the guy that is just going to go off at any given moment for 400 yards and six scores. Some people may consider that a negative. I consider it a positive. Because I think if they just threw, for instance, Dace Jones back there at halfback, handed him the ball 25 times, he'd run for 300 yards and three touchdowns almost every week. They don't need him to do that. So they don't necessarily do that. They have enough other pieces where they can allow Dace to be Dace and allow the other players to be other players. And, and as a result, I, I think they're going to be a pretty tough team to, to knock out come November. Yeah, it, it, I think one uh, AD one might be the most competitive in terms of you know the final four. It, it's going to be a knockout uh, showdown. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of other teams that are highly regarded in one AD one, you've had Raft River with a forty-four to twelve win over Grace. That was kind of expected. Prairie opened up White Pine League play against Clearwater Valley. These were the top two teams in the preseason coaches poll, and the Pirates came away with a forty-eight to fourteen victory. Yeah, Prairies, they're they're that team in 1AD1 and 1AD2. We can talk around the edges all we want about who might come up and surprise, who could be that team that sneaks in, because I think you start every conversation, you know, and, and it's earned through history. Uh, but, uh, you know, Ryan Hasselstrom and his staff up at Prairie, they just do it year in and year out. And I think you've got to always – uh, you know, you've got to start with them. And again, they've got they're they're much like Oakley, where Brody Hasselstrom. I mean, he, I think he ran for 225 yards this weekend, and it was like, eh, you know, that's just kind of what he does. But if if teams kind of take him out a little bit, you go back to that uh, opening weekend that <clears throat> excuse me that eight man classic. Um, he had a little bit of a tougher time, and it was Taysen Hibbert who came in and did a really nice job. Yeah, they have they have good balance uh, at Prairie in the backfield for sure. Uh, other scores from the White Pine: Genesee is two and zero in league. They're also two and zero overall. They beat Potlatch sixty two to thirty six. You had Lapway shutting out Troy fifty eight to nothing. Camii playing in its first game of the season, no problems with Logos winning fifty to six as well. Uh, any of those stand out to you? <coughs> Not especially. Um, I think they went more or less as we thought they'd go. Uh, I think the thing that's starting to stand out in particular to Genesee is that uh, Angus Jordan's a heck of a football player. Uh, you can go pull up the numbers from any given game that Genesee plays, and he throws for 250 yards and runs for 150 more. Um, and when you've got the ball in the guy's hands literally every snap of a game, and he's making something happen every snap of a game, he's a, he's a kid who – I don't know that he was on a ton of radar statewide coming into the year. I mean, I, people were aware of him. People knew who he was, but I don't think anybody had him circled as watch out for that dude. They've got a couple of games coming up. You know, you mentioned this weekend. If he plays well in those games, I think a lot of people statewide are going to have to really sit up and take note that, you know, this is a guy that we're going to have to consider as a potential all-state guy. And 
if they win some games, maybe more. Yeah, Genesee travels to Kuski to play Clearwater Valley this weekend. That should be a fun matchup. And uh, you can't look at the records in that one because CB 0-2, well, yeah, they've played Raft River in Prairie so far. Right, and that's you see that a lot this time of year. Somebody will look and they'll be like, "Oh, they're two and zero. Well, they, you know, they played <coughs> right. The Excuse me, a couple of teams that are struggling to put eight guys on the field right now. Or you see a team that's zero and two. Well, you know that's great because they just went out and they played the you know the Seahawks and the Forty Niners. Um, it's it's tough early, you know the. Um, the, they, they start to separate themselves and they start to clear themselves. Clear themselves out for sure. Yeah. Uh, the other two interesting games were 1A D1 opponents playing D2 opponents and the D2 schools had the upper hand. You had Carey in a runaway over Wilder 54 to nothing and then a really close game between Horseshoe Bend and Notice. Uh, Notice had a chance to win at the end, just ran out of time and they lost 30 to 26. Does that say more for the D two schools or the D one programs? Those I think that I think the D two schools for sure. Uh, I think Wilder's gonna be fine. Um, Carey's just that good, I believe. My opinion. They're much like they're much like Prairie in the D one ranks. When we're talking great D two programs, you just start with Carey and you just assume that Lane Kirkland is going to have a great football team on the field. You just assume it. Um, so the fact that they were able to come up to Wilder and beat Wilder pretty convincingly. Not a shocker. If I'm Kyle Dalsolio, if I'm a Wilder player, if I'm a Wilder fan, I'm not that disheartened there. I'm, I wouldn't be. Uh, on the other side, I think, you know, Horseshoe Bend's now 3-0, and and the three teams they beat have all been uh, 1A Division I opponents. They've beaten Idaho City, they've beaten Wilder, and now they've beaten Notice. And I think Notice is a pretty good team. And we talked a little bit about Angus Jordan putting himself on the map in the 1AD1 conversation. Colton Meyer at Horseshoe Bend is a, a kid that's doing the same thing at the 1AD2 level. Much like Angus Jordan, he's a guy that he can go out and run for two, you know, run for 200 or throw for 200, and you, you just don't know. And then, you know, he's a standout defensive player as well. Like he had something like 15 tackles on Friday night as well. So um, I think that that is inevitably, you know, you go on the road and you beat, you know, you punch up a classification and you go on the road and you beat the number four team in the state, that's got to open some eyes. And the fact that they're 3-0 and now and all against Division I opponents, um, Horseshoe Bend, they're, they're in the mix. They're, 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 not, they're another team that you've got to account for. You can't just assume uh, they'll just disappear. Yeah, I think I was uh I didn't have them properly evaluated coming into the season, but I've readjusted in in my uh statewide rankings. Mm -hmm. Moving on to 1A D2, there was just I mean there was really some some runaway games you had uh Butte County defeat Rockland 56 to 12. That that was another one of those uh D1 D2 matchups. Oh. Um I think the most surprising result to a lot of people was Castleford defeating Dietrich 32 to 16. Now I've been, I've been high on this castle Ford team all yep. year and I've been, I've been lower on Dietrich, but what, what did you see in that game? Well, I, I think that, I think we even talked about it last week that it was the type of game that would show us, you know, people were talking castle Ford in the conversation all summer long. Coaches were telling us, people were telling us, watch out for castle Ford. I think they just validated that by winning that game. Um, you know, Dietrich's a good team. They're they're a good team. And the fact that Castle Ford was able to get the two touchdown win, I think that that really establishes them uh, as, I mean, yet another team you're going to have to keep your eyes on. And now they go into one of those crossover games this week where they take on Murtaugh. 
I don't think that that is an easy pick em game for either team. Uh, I think it's a game that either team can benefit from by, you know, getting the win over the other. Uh, if Castle Ford gets a win and Eric Taylor has a great game, you start talking about, oh, man, this Castle Ford team look out. Other hand, Murtoff, they come in and they have a great performance and Junior Benitez has another great effort. Boy, watch out for Murtaugh. Maybe we're going to have to start, you know, really watching them too, you know. So it's a it's another springboard opportunity for both of those teams, but especially Castle Ford because they had been down for a while. Murtaugh has kind of been on the slow reascension over the last few years, um, but Castle Ford had had a couple of really rough years, and the fact that they're they're I mean they're sitting there with a team that might be, might be able to make some noise. If they can pick up another big win this week, uh, I think they really entrench themselves in that conversation. Yeah, I think the most uh, impressive part of it to me was only allowing 16 points to a Dietrich offense right. that pretty routinely lights up the scoreboard. So that will be something to watch as the season goes along as well. Let's yeah. let's let's look ahead to this weekend and, and some of the matchups that we've got going on. Uh, we're still in the early part of the season, so you're getting a lot of those D1, D2 cross matchups like you alluded to, Will. Um, there's a couple of games that stand out to me. Uh, they're mostly those league games up north in the White Pine League, though. You know, mm -hmm. you've got Clearwater Valley hosting Genesee. That's going to be a good one. You've got Kamii and Lapway matching up. Those are two teams that are expected to finish right next to each other in the standings. So whoever wins mm -hmm. that could have the upper uh, leg there. Yep. You've got Prairie hosting Logos, which should be a nice win for the Pirates. Um I guess in terms of non-conference matchups, one that's really standing out to me right now is North Gem. They're going to travel to Lighthouse Christian. This is a Lions team that's reeling a little bit and struggling to replace the the players they lost from a year ago. And we talked yeah. about North Gem a lot last week. Yeah, they Lighthouse Christian. I think for their for their confidence and their psyche, they could really use a win. Um, North Gem isn't just going to roll over and let it happen, though. You know, Bridger Hatch, I think, is one of the elite eight-man players in the state. Another kid who on any given day you could look up and see 500 yards of total offense from him and you wouldn't necessarily be shocked. Um, I, I wouldn't see North Gem. I wouldn't be at least bit surprised to see North Gem win that game. Um, I do think Lighthouse Christian is a much better team. They might be the best 0-2 team in the state. Um, and it's entirely possible if things don't go well for them this week, they'll be the best 0-3 team in the state. I think they're a pretty good group. They're just kind of trying to refine their footing after – uh, you know, they lost a group of really good seniors as well, and they're just kind of still plugging those holes a little bit. Yeah, so that's uh, certainly going to be a good matchup. You've got Castle Ford taking on Murtaugh. That's a pair of three, you know, teams. I'm having a hard time getting a read on Murtaugh so far. They've played well, but it, the competition has been a little lacking, right? The question uh, the question I always have with people, and I, I mean, I think, that's a, I think that's a fair concern to bring up, but if you're a good team, when you play a team that's not as good, what are you supposed to do? Right. You're supposed to shellac them. You're supposed to put up a 20, 30, 40 point win. Your star player is supposed to run for 200 yards. And those things are happening. So I think that um, I think it's a fair question. OK, what what will Mur Murtaugh do as that that talent level against rises a little bit over the next few weeks? Um, I think it's a very legitimate question to ask. I'd be a little bit more concerned if some of these games had been maybe 32-28, 24-20, 52-42, but they, they haven't been. You know, they've been – Murtaugh has 
uh, been able to do what you would expect a good team to do in those situations. Yeah, so that'll be a fun one to watch for sure. And then uh, probably the best game. I wanted to save this one for last because uh, these are two of my personal, not not favorites, but teams that I'm really high on. You've got Butte County traveling to Raft River. I think that is going to be a fantastic matchup. I've had Butte County in my top five all season. Raft River has been my number one team all season long. And so we're, we're going to learn a lot about both of these teams. Yeah, and I could see this being one of those 24-22 type games because I think both teams, they want to run the football and they want to play good defense. And historically, when, they, when things have gone well for Butte County or for Raft River, they've done that. Um, I don't think neither of them need, I don't think either of them need to be, you know, that super explosive team that's putting up 60 points to win. Uh, I think either one of them will be happy to grind it out down the field an eight, nine, 10 play drive, punch it in, and then make you try to do the same against their defense. And, you know, it's whichever team uh, can make a couple of stops. And it sounds so simple, but especially in eight man football, whichever team can make a couple of stops is probably the team that comes out on top. Yeah, I've always viewed eight man as kind of like uh, the White Pine League up north. It's kind of like the Big Twelve, right? Everybody's getting into these shootouts all the time, and mm-hmm. it's fifty to forty. And then, kind of, when you look at the other districts around the state, it's those defensive type games. It seems like a lot of times you get it's more like an SEC uh, or a Big Ten type feel in the other parts of the state. Yeah, I think you can learn a lot about a team um, by their ability to fight through adversity. And I know it again; it sounds obvious, but you know it's when when all cylinders are clicking, it's easy for anybody to look good. But what team has the gumption and what team has the 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 resourcefulness to be like, hey, this other team's playing their butt off and they're making it real hard for us and they're taking away this and they're taking away that. And I think we saw it at a couple of those eight-man games, uh, the eight-man classic games where, uh, you know, Lapway was giving Oakley some problems early. Oakley made a couple of adjustments, took away a couple of the things that Lapway liked to do. And it kind of flipped that script. Um, you know, Glens Ferry Prairie, you know, same thing. Glens Ferry was giving Prairie all kinds of trouble early. They made a couple of adjustments. They tightened things down a little bit. And they went on to win that game. So, if you know, you've, you've got to be able to find a way to win if you're not scoring 40-plus points, if you really want to play deep, especially when you have a team like Raft River, like Butte County, that really can, or, or like we saw this past weekend, like Oakley, that can, you know, they can just kind of stand up and and push you around a little bit on defense and make it really hard. You're not going to just outrun those teams to the edges and just run sweet plays down the sideline all day. You're going to have to make some plays. You're going to have to be creative and you're going to have to execute well to win those games. Yeah, it's, it's going to be another fantastic slate of games coming up this weekend in the eight-man ranks. Something you do each week uh, on the Idaho eight-man Twitter account is you hand out uh, three stars, right? And you you do a really good job of uh, compiling all of the best performances. And so we thought, well, why don't we uh, see if we can partner up with you and put it up on our website as well? We did that for the first time this week. And I guess if you want to go over your, your three stars and who really stood out to you, uh, I'll let you have the floor. Well, I think that – sorry, I'm battling a little bit of a cold here, so that's why I keep taking sips of water. Uh, I think that the main thing that um, needs to be addressed right away with the three stars is on any given week, I could probably give out about 10. Um, yeah. And I, I have to kind of whittle it down to three. And, and I made the point this past weekend when I was when I was getting my stars put together and 
I went with Drew Plocker over in, in uh, Water Springs, Colton Meyer, um, and uh, O'Kay Ball up in uh, Mullen St. Regis was my third one. I could probably just say, you know, Connor Simpson, Brody Hasselstrom, and Adam Ball every week and be fine. You know, statistically, it'd be fine. So I, I intentionally kind of spread it around a little bit. And somebody might look at it and say, well, why did that guy who ran for 205 yards get it when the guy on my team ran for 206? Well, there's two things. Number one, the possibility of spreading it around a little bit and 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 sharing the love, if you will. And number two, a lot of times it's availability of information. And uh, that's where I really salute the, the media outlets in the state that, you know, resources have been cut. Um, they're not able to get to as many games. There was a Boise State game on Friday, which really impacted what the the Treasure Valley media outlets were able to do staffing-wise. So, you know, the Lewiston Tribune, the Coeur d'Alene Press, Twin Falls Times News, Post Register over in Idaho Falls. You know, I could, I could go down the list, but I, I couldn't do any of it without them. Um, and I've got coaches who will submit me stuff, and I just sit down on – you know, whether it's Saturday night or Sunday morning, and I just make a list and I kind of lean back and I think about it. And I, I try to kind of couple a couple of things, you know, um, running for 200 yards against an overmatched opponent might not be as impressive as running for 100 yards against, say, Oakley, just as an example. Um, so I kind of try to weigh those things as well. And it's it's not an exact science, but at the end of the day, it's about giving exposure to those kids because a lot of them, like we talked about last week, um, oftentimes the small schools, when it comes to high school coverage, um, we'll use the Treasure Valley as an example, since that's where I, I live and it's kind of the center of the state geographically, if you will. Eagle's never going to lose coverage. Rocky Mountain's never going to lose coverage. Notice might. You know what I mean? They might be the team that gets bumped off the table. So if I can keep mentioning Carter Woodland and Caden Clemens and some of those players out there, if that gives them even a little bit of slice of attention for me, it's worth it. Yep. I, I, I agree a hundred percent in resources, uh, television stations and newspapers are, are the staffs are just getting slashed and, and reduced. And so everybody in media our our media uh, comrades do a fantastic job doing what they can working yeah. with the tools they have. Yeah, so. I was, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to an athletic director up North and he said that he's had to, <coughs> excuse me, he's had to tell a couple of parents, um, you know, the knee jerk reaction is you see a reporter at your game and you, you just kind of want to smart alecly say, well, it's about time. And the AD said, what I'm telling my parents is you see a reporter there, you go up and say hi, you go up and thank them for being here because in the time where we're at now with resources that media outlets have to cover events like this now and resources are not that high. You need them to uh, know that you appreciate it. So go up and say hi. Tell them thanks for coming. Uh, buy a copy of the newspaper the next day if you don't get it delivered. Click on the link if if you have that opportunity. Um, you know that that's that's what tells them they're making the right decision by going to insert game here or insert town there. Is that they're you know. They're, they're not getting, you know, borderline harassed by people saying, oh, it's about time you finally remembered where we are, even though I don't even know that it's always mean spirited. Right. I just think, think sometimes it comes off a little bit poorly. 
yeah, I agree. We all got to work in this together and and yes. get it figured out. And unfortunately, that's just the reality we're living in right now. So, yep. All right, well, this was a lot of fun having having you on two weeks in a row. Uh, Paul, better watch out. <laughs> yeah, the the name Wally Pip is floating through my mind. <laughs> I can be a Hall of Famer in something finally. That's right. I, I don't want to mansplain here, but uh, for, for maybe the, the non-baseball fans, uh, Wally Pipp was the starting first baseman for the New York Yankees in the 1920s until he uh, missed missed a game with an injury and some guy named Lou Gehrig took over and then he never sat again in the rest of his career. So. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't yeah. have gone that far back. People <laughs> over the age of 30 might be going, Wally, what? People name their kid Wally now? Not often. <laughs> Not often. But yes, you explained it very well. Yes. Yeah, I always use, because I'm a Packers fan, so I always use the Don Mikowski, Brett Favre analogy. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Yeah, it happens all the time. So, uh, Will, thank you for for stepping in and and, uh, filling in for Paul this week, and we'll see if we can get him uh, out from the rock that he's hiding under next week to get back in here. So There you go. I'm going to have to talk to Coach Hobart, see if Kendrick can pick up a win, get him back in the saddle. That's right. That's right. It'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun uh, to watch everything unfold. We have some really good matchups this week yep. across the state in eight man football, and, and we'll be back to break it all down again next week here on the Idaho Eight Man Prepcast. You can listen to this prepcast on our site, idahosports.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. You can also catch the video of this on the idahosports.com Facebook page as well as our YouTube channel. So. For Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody, and we'll see you back here next week for another edition of the Idaho 8-Man Prepcast from idahosports.com.